Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by Seeky for Wednesday, September 30th. I'm Caroline Gonzalez, and on today's show, I will be joined by my co-host, John DeShazer, alongside Saints legend wide receiver Lance Moore. Great insight from Lance. You're going to want to listen to this entire interview because Lance really does provide some awesome analysis for the, the Saints team and what they're going through right now and how they can improve going forward uh, into Sunday's game against the Detroit Lions. We also have fantasy football talk uh, between Daniel Salerson and Ben Heisler, so you don't want to miss that. Um, so a packed show on this Wednesday. As always, we always provide on Wednesdays. So make sure you tune into that fantasy football talk at the end. But let's go ahead first and get into our interview with Lance Moore. Welcoming on to the New Orleans Saints podcast, Saints legend Lance Moore. First of all, Lance, how are you? It's been a while. Doing well. You know, just uh, obviously things are different still. Um, you know, I'm I'm mostly house husband these days. <laughs> My wife is working, so I'm here with the kids and doing the school thing and obviously doing some, um, a little bit of media stuff as well and uh, just staying busy, trying to stay motivated about our boys and, and excited about the prospect of, of, you know, what's coming up. Lance, I can't imagine you've been this stationary for this long at any point in your life. Have you? <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, this is, this is different. Obviously this is pretty unprecedented and, and, you know, just to not be able to come and go and, and travel and go see games in person, um, is, is definitely abnormal, but you know, there's nothing we can do about it. So, you know, make the most of my time each and every day as, as best I can. And, uh, you know, find other ways to kind of get those type of, of release um, that, that I would have ordinarily been able to get from, you know, playing rec basketball or, or, you know, just being able to go out with the boys that I can't do. Um, I've turned into a runner, um, you know, doing road runs almost every day, lost weight, which is weird because I haven't touched a, an actual weight in, in almost seven months now. So um, just, you know, kind of learning new things about myself and cooking a little bit more, um, but it's, you know, it's, 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 it's a terrible time, but I think if you don't at least learn something new about yourself or, or try something new, then, you know, this, this is a ton of wasted time that, that, you know, we've had. Uh, I know you had a, a son. It's been probably a year or so since we've had you on the podcast. Um, so congratulations on having your first boy and of course your two daughters. Congrats on that. Thank you. Yeah, he's, he's Marino turned one uh, August 30th. So um, still not ready to walk yet. A little <laughs> bit lazy, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll work that laziness out of him as he gets a little older. Oh goodness. But, I can imagine. I love that name, by the way, Marino. Isn't that yep. Marino? I love it. Um, so Lance, let's talk a little Saints football here. I think the, the common theme I've heard from former players, Malcolm Jenkins, well, he's on the team, but he's saying discipline, Zach Sharif discipline, Deuce McAllister discipline. And that's something that right now the Saints don't seem to have a lot of. So in a week's time, from a player perspective, how do you correct discipline? Well, I, I don't, I think, you know, discipline is the, is the right area. I think it's undisciplined or lack of discipline that this team has been playing with. Even in the first game of the season, over 100 yards and penalties, several pass interference calls, that is a problem. And that's something that needs to be mitigated as soon as possible. And I don't really have a straight answer for you of, of how you become a disciplined team when you have shown for the last three weeks that you are an undisciplined team. 
Um, I know that it starts in the film room. Obviously, talking technique and those types of things are important, but then you've got to go on the practice field. You've got to drill those things. You've got to make sure that guys are when you're playing Aaron Rodgers, you've got to be ready for the hard count. And then when the hard count comes, you've got to be ready for him to take a shot. And you can't grab and hold these guys. I mean, our guys have been in pretty good positions at times. And for whatever reason, late in those plays, they seem to panic. That has to stop because teams are going to watch that. Every single team is going to see us on film making these mistakes week in and week out. And they're going to attack those things because that right now is our biggest weakness. So um, like I said, the film room first, talking about the technique, then going on the practice field and drilling that technique. And then hopefully, after a week's time, we can get in the game on Sunday, start anew, and be where, uh, playing capable of, or, or capable of playing at the level that we know that they're capable of playing at. I, mean, I think that's, that's where it's got to go. And it, all the stuff that they do during the week doesn't matter if they can't show up and do it on Sunday. So you know, hopefully that, you know, they're getting that in these guys' head. They're doing the proper drills and, and, and kind of activities and practice to make these things corrected. Um, and then we'll see on Sunday. Lance, in football terms or layman's terms, I don't want to describe it, give our listeners an education on bad eyes because we keep hearing bad eyes. What exactly are coaches talking about? So everyone will, uh, will, you know, we understand, but so everybody else will understand what they mean when they say bad eyes. Well, there's a couple of different kinds of bad eyes. Usually in the passing game, bad eyes has to do with where you're watching. If you're in zone coverage and you're supposed to be paying attention to a certain area of zone, but you're, you get bad eyes and you start looking in another area and you lose your guy, that's bad eyes. If, if you're in man-to-man -man coverage and you're looking back at the quarterback and you're supposed to be guarding your guy, that's bad eyes. If, uh, if the ball is in the air on a deep ball and you're looking back at the quarterback, the ball is already in the air. That's bad eyes. There's a number of different bad eye scenarios, but they're all very, very bad for the defense. There's, there's no bad eye situation that is good for our defense that the offense can do. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's tough for those guys because they've got, I always look at it like, okay, DBs have to play backwards. That's the first tough thing that's about them. The second thing, it's a reactionary position. They're reacting to what the offense does. The third is adjustments. They've got to adjust when the receiver adjusts. So they've got all these things to worry about. Then they've got to worry about where their eyes are. And if your eyes are not in the right place on any given time, that could be a home run. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, it was a pretty loaded question, but there, there is a lot on these guys' plate. So it's not as simple as all oh, our DBs stink. I don't think they stink. I think there's some technique issues that they're working out. The bad eye situation can be something that's worked out. And I think if anybody, Aaron Glenn, you know, 17-year NFL veteran, can help these guys get those things right so that those things don't plague us moving forward in the season. We'll get right back to our interview with Lance Moore, but quickly a word from our friends at SeatGeek. Just like all of you, SeatGeek can't wait to get back in the stands with you to cheer on the Saints and sing along to our favorite songs again. They're using this time to make discovering, buying, and selling tickets to events in the Big Easy easier. Plus, every ticket purchased on SeatGeek is, there, is protected by their buyer guarantee, which means you'll get your money back I like the sound of that. Or better, even if your event is canceled. Guaranteed. It can't be a guarantee, can you? Download the SeatGeek app today, and when the time is right, let's go. SeatGeek. All right, now back to our interview with Lance Moore. 
So are you anticipating, I guess we all anticipate a bounce back game because you know, I was looking at it and the Saints haven't lost back-to-back games since the first two games of the 2017 season, which is pretty remarkable to go that long without losing back-to-back games. But are you anticipating that bounce back game against the Lions who have a really, really good quarterback? Well, I, I am anticipating a, a bounce back game, but I was anticipating a bounce back game last week as well. And we didn't get that. Uh, you know, we saw a few things that, that were good on film, but not enough. Um, yeah, Matt, Matthew Stafford is, is one of the better quarterbacks in the league that doesn't get much recognition or praise because he's played on a perennially bad team. Um, he's, he hasn't been surrounded by a lot of great players. Um, you know, obviously Megatron is the outlier, one of the best that we've seen. <laughs> uh, but it really doesn't matter who's out there. He finds a way to, to get the ball to his playmakers. And, and um, I mean, shoot, man, look at Adrian, what Adrian Peterson's doing at, at age 35. I mean, they, they've got a good team. Um, go, you know, obviously we're traveling away from home again, which could be a, a good recipe for us to kind of get away and just play ball and not have to worry about anything else. Um, but, but yeah, this is going to be a challenge. I don't, I don't think people will look at Detroit and say, oh, this is a, an intimidating team, but they need to look at this as a really good team and a lot better team than a one and two record for sure. Well, Lance, obviously, you know, fourth game of the season, third game of the season, fourth game of the season, it's too early for quote unquote desperation, but what's the level of urgency that you would sense? Well, I don't think it's too early for desperation. If we have goals that are beyond just a successful season, right? We have goals that are Super Bowl and Lombardi trophy champion, right? We want to win the Super Bowl. So there, there needs to be desperation and urgency. Like this, this is a game that we have to go win. We don't want to start one and three. We don't want to be at the bottom of the division. Like there's a whole lot riding on this one game and I don't think it's a, a situation where we got to go out there and do anything crazy or do anything differently than what we, we've been doing as far as game plan goes. I think we've had some pretty good game plans defensively. We haven't made enough plays. I think offensively, Sean is going to open it up a little bit, hopefully. Um, not sure what's happening with, with Mike, Mike Thomas yet, uh, but getting him back will be good. And even if he doesn't come back, spreading the ball around a little bit more, I think, will be beneficial for us. Um, you know, I... I, I think this is close to desperation time and, and definitely big time urgency. I don't think anyone involved with the Saints in the in the smallest aspect can think of this game as a get right game because everything has to be perfect and overly corrected this game because this game is the one that that matters this week like you were saying and the, the urgency has to be there but Lance how how excited have you been to see Alvin Kamara back to him Alvin Kamara excuse me back to himself because it really does seem like his confidence is back now that he's over that injury he's 100 percent and he's just back to the player he was before. Yeah, I mean, he's been doing some amazing things this season, obviously. We've seen some great plays from him in his career, um, but what he's doing now is is unbelievable. He's top five in the league in receiving yards, and obviously he's a starting running back. So that just kind of lets you know how versatile he is on, on this offense. And um, I think a lot of it is is not that he's a better player now. I think it's it's – Physically, obviously, he's healthy, but the mental part of that, I feel like, is even more important um, because, you know, if you have the confidence in, in you being healthy, um, you know, kind of the sky's the limit as far as, like, being able to go out there and make plays. And 
because uh, I've been there. I've had a ton of injuries, and, and, you know, throughout my career. And the mental side for me was just as important coming back as the physical side. And once you get over that hurdle, you know, I, I think the rest is, is you know, kind of out there right there for you to get. How long would you say it takes Drew to trust one of his receivers? Because without Mike, obviously, his number one receiver, you, you have to trust guys like Emmanuel Sanders, who's proven in the league, but not necessarily with Drew. Deontay Harris, Traquan. I mean, he, he established trust with Jared Cook last year, but how long would you say that takes to develop with Drew? Well, I mean, I think Drew, I think, will – it would be quicker than a lot of other quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, but then again, we're, we're in an interesting year, right? There hasn't been the, the reps in the offseason, the mini camps, the OTAs, just the throwing sessions with quarterbacks and receivers. So it's going to take time. And it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, Emmanuel Sanders didn't get a, a full offseason of reps. And, and even the younger guys that didn't play a whole lot or get a lot of targets last year didn't get those reps. Um, but there, there, there is no excuse, right? We, we got to keep working. We got to make sure that we get on the same page with him. And I don't know exactly what you can do. You can't extend practice time. Um, but I, I think, you know, just, just as the season goes on, there will be more of a rapport there uh, with all of the guys. But I think last week was a good step in the right direction uh, for Drew and, and Emmanuel Sanders. And I think even, you know, the Oakland game was a great step for Traquan Smith. I mean, because he played really, really well. There's a couple plays out there that I think he'd like to have back, but but catching the ball and running and, and you know, some tough traffic type situations and, and E going up and catching that touchdown last week. I mean, those are big plays as far as Drew's confidence goes and their confidence as well. Lance, you've been in this offense obviously before. Uh, how close is it to being what it's supposed to be? Honestly, I think it's it's not too close. Um, I think they've got a lot of work to do to get back to where they want to go. I think it starts with Sean, right? He's he said for the last several weeks that he he isn't calling the greatest game plans. Um, I think you know once he kind of gets in the flow and the rhythm, and it goes back. No preseason games, right? He wasn't calling games before the Tampa game, so we'd be heading into our last preseason game right now. So you'd like to think that he would be in a nice rhythm <laughs> come this weekend. Um, and, and honestly, I, I think guys have to make more plays. Uh, I think we've got to run the ball more efficiently and effectively. Um, and we've got to stick with the run because um, everything is kind of built from there. If, if, if the defenders are playing down in the box and that opens things up in the passing game and then the guys have to make plays downfield, we can't have drops. Um, you know, and, and I think at some point we're going to have to push the ball down the field. I'd love to see Taysom Hill a little more involved in the offense because we know he can make plays. Obviously, you know, the blip that he had with the fumble last week was a was a bad play, but but it happens and you move on and, and you give him an opportunity to make more plays because he's proven that he can do that. So uh, I think we've got a lot of work to do. I don't think we're a terrible offense at this point. I just think for what the, the potential was and what the expectations were, I don't think we're close to that yet. Lance, last question before I let you go. I know a lot of players are starting their own podcasts, especially in the last few months. Cam Jordan and uh, Mark Ingram started their own. First of all, have you listened? Second, have you ever thought about starting your own? Uh, first, no. I haven't, I haven't listened to their podcast yet, but I am a subscriber and I will be tuning in because I know it's going to be one of the more entertaining podcasts out there. Um, and I have entertained the idea. I've actually had a couple companies reach out to me as far as doing some things, but it just has to be right. Like I, I have a lot of things going on. I obviously have three little ones, five, you know, five and under. 
Um, so it, it has to be the right situation. I have to have the right co-host and I have to have the ability to kind of talk about what I want to talk about. And, and right now that all those things haven't been there. Um, and, you know, I, I obviously uh, have a lot to say, but uh, I, I like to keep, uh, you know, what I have to say to, to people that I trust and the people that I want to be on like you guys. Um, and we'll see what happens in the future as far as me doing my own. All right. Well, I need an exclusive. I'll, I'll, um, I'll subscribe as soon as it comes out. Lance, right. appreciate your time. Have a good day. For sure. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Lance. All right. Thanks, Lance, for joining us on the show today. Now let's talk a little fantasy football with our own Daniel Salerson. Thank you, Caroline. It's week four now for fantasy football. And of course, to help you set your lineups, we welcome in Ben Heisler, who covers fantasy football and gambling for Sports Illustrated. Ben, it's been three weeks. It's been a wild ride with injuries. And now we have to bring COVID into the mix with a couple teams in Tennessee and Pittsburgh. Um, what, what, what do you make of these first three weeks so far in the NFL? Uh, we're seeing a lot of scoring, a lot and a lot and a lot of scoring, you know, for, for somebody who covers this from both the fantasy perspective and also a betting perspective, uh, average scoring is up by almost five points a game so far. And we're seeing referees call the games a little bit differently. There's, um, you know, there's less meaningful calls on the defensive side of the ball. And so we're starting to see these numbers go up. In fact, I think the totals uh, overs have hit about 60 to 65% of the time uh, in these first three weeks of the season. So from a fantasy level, that's great. That means more scoring. It means a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, not necessarily volatility, but movement when it comes to trying to find the right players. But um, we've seen sort of this, in, this infusion of offense over these first few weeks of the season uh, in an offensive era. So from that level, it's been very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about that. Uh, usually we try to start off with a focus on the Saints and who they play this week. This week, they take their talents up to Detroit and take on the Lions, a team that did get a win over Arizona. Of course, Saints look at the bounce back after a tough loss to Green Bay. But what's uh, interesting right now is what's going on with the Lions and the running back situation. It seems now Adrian Peterson is the guy up there in Detroit. Uh, how should fantasy owners, whether you have Adrian, should you pick him up? Should you uh, start him? Also, what that, what that means for DeAndre Swift, who was supposed to be one of the lead backs for, for the Lions this year. Yeah, Peterson right now has uh, been, been getting a bunch of the snaps, and I think it's just because there's an inherent trust in his ability to move between the tackles. Think about the system that Matt Patricia was with for so long in New England, uh, especially with how much they like to run the ball inside. They had Garrett Blunt for all those years. Um, you know, you had Sony Michelle the last few years, and whether you can argue if he's a, you know, a consistent fantasy option is a different conversation, but um, that, that's kind of what Detroit wants to do. They have a quarterback that can move the ball downfield with Matthew Stafford, and we saw in that upset win against Arizona that when Kenny Galladay is back, the offense just opens up on, on a whole different level. So they trust Adrian Peterson. The fact that they brought him in when they had on Johnson and DeAndre Swift in the mix uh, was an indication that they wanted that type of consistency that in between the tackles early first and second down running from Peterson. Uh, as for you know the rest of the team, we're still not sure what on Johnson's role is going to be. Uh, it's been inconsistent throughout the first three weeks of the season. They like getting DeAndre Swift the ball in a little bit of space. You know, he dropped that game-winning touchdown that he could have had against the Bears in week one. But, you know, from the level of trying to figure out which Lions running backs to trust, uh, they're still kind of a stay away for, for me, just to be completely honest, especially in this type of a matchup. Absolutely. Let's go to the other side of the ball with the Saints and their wide receiver situation. As we tape this on Wednesday morning, we still don't know the injury report going on with Michael Thomas. So a lot of things can change if he participate in practice or may become available this Sunday 
against the Lions. And we did see Emmanuel Sanders get into the end zone for the first time uh, with the Saints on Sunday Night Football against the Packers. Didn't see much from Trey Quan Smith. And, of course, now you have to worry about Jared Cook with the groin injury. We'll see more of that on the injury report as well. So if you have a Saints wide receiver, how should you approach this week uh, when it comes to setting your lineup? It's a really tough question. I, I mean, you almost wish that if you have Alvin Kamara, you could just put him in the, the wide receiver slot as well, because that's basically what, has been, what he's been. The usage right. rate for Kamara right now is just flat out insane. And I, I feel like that was the case when they didn't have Mark Ingram a, a couple of years ago. This is how they used Kamara, and, and he's thrived in this role. Um, you know, he was really terrific. But I, I think it's encouraging from Emmanuel Sanders' standpoint. They've now targeted him multiple times in the end zone. He has two touchdowns on the season, uh, had five targets, caught four of them. I, I think they're understanding the importance of making sure that this is somebody that they get involved in the offense. Because you're right, Traquan Smith, from a talent level, has he's always had it. It's just been very hit or miss on a week-in, week-out basis. I like the matchup against Detroit. Uh, you know, they struggled against slot receivers throughout the course of the year. You know, Anthony Miller ended up burning them for that deep touchdown uh, in week one from Chicago. So I, I think Sanders in the slot uh, should be in a good situation. I'll be curious as to what happens with Jared Cook. Uh, reliable red zone option, although the targets were down because of that groin injury last week. So uh, I think if I had to choose one of them uh, that wasn't named Alvin Kamara because I, you know, I have to take a wide receiver, I suppose Sanders is that likely choice. But, but again, you, you just never really know week in and week out with this team. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, let's go. You mentioned the Chicago Bears a couple times, and now they're going through a QB situation as Mitchell Trubisky was benched in that fourth quarter of the Bears-Falcons game. Of course, Nick Foles brought the Bears back, uh, end up winning that game, and now they have announced that Nick Foles will start this weekend. If you have Mitchell Trubisky, are you ready just to drop him right now and give up on him? How do you deal with this if you had Trubisky and trying to have Nick Foles as your backup, or do you keep him? What's the situation like in Chicago, and how, how should fans deal with it? Yeah, several people that I've talked to in Chicago are indicating that from a level of energy and excitement within the actual Bears offense, um, there, there was a different sense of it when Nick Foles entered. And uh, the, Mitchell Trubisky, I just, I just want this to come across, uh, was a really good teammate and still is a very good teammate. He was very supportive of Nick Foles when he came in and ended up winning the game. He said all the right things. Um, but the ultimate problem was that Matt Nagy wants somebody who understands every single element of that offense with Mitchell Trubisky under center um, you know, he couldn't see the different defensive coverages and couldn't adapt and change the play um, to where he needed to, to make those adjustments with Nick Foles. He's a student of this offense for several years, going all the way back to his time in Kansas city when Matt Nagy was the offensive coordinator there. Uh, and, and even on the, the quarterback coaching staff, um, he knows this offense as well as anybody in the league and he'll take some shots downfield. And you saw that, Granted, it was against the Falcons defense, which has been torched throughout the, the first three games of the season. But um, from a fantasy level, I, I don't think there's any real cause to keep Mitchell Trubisky around. Um, you know, the athletic ability was still kind of tantalizing. I remember a couple of years ago, he actually led the NFL in fantasy points at the quarterback position for a handful of weeks uh, because of his ability to run. It just wasn't happening this year. Uh, and now you have Foles, who is entrenched as the starter until something else happens, whether he goes down to injury uh, or whether play ends up becoming, you know, uh, an issue. I, I just don't see that happening. I, I think they brought him in for a very specific reason over guys like Andy Dalton and certainly Cam Newton who are available for a far lesser price. They trust Nick Foles to run this offense. And I think he's going to be the guy moving forward unless there's any sort of injury situation. 
So if you're in desperate need of a quarterback or had Mitchell Trubisky, it might be time to pick up Nick Foles on the waiver wire. Who else on the waiver wire may be worth picking up for this week, Ben? Yeah, I, I think from, you know, there's a couple different names that I, I think certainly were, were intriguing. You have uh, somebody like T. Higgins, who came in from the, the Cincinnati side, targeted twice. Uh, I, I talked about this last week, I think, too, with you, Daniel, that um, – uh, we just didn't see anything from the level of AJ Green that felt really comfortable. He was getting targeted. I think he had 13 targets uh, and ended up only finishing with, um, oh, let's see, uh, three catches on the day. So somebody like T. Higgins, I think, is in a really interesting spot. Uh, Justin Jefferson put up a terrific performance. It was good to see the Vikings really get that first-round rookie involved. And certainly Saints fans are familiar with what the type of numbers that he put up. Uh, over in New Orleans. Rex Burkhead is another name. Jeff Wilson, two running backs that uh, got into the end zone multiple times last week. Uh, so those were kind of the big names, certainly, to consider. Uh, and then one other name maybe to, to look out for is Carlos Hyde with Seattle. Uh, Chris Carson may be on the shelf for a couple of weeks uh, after he ended up getting rolled on in that game uh, by Dallas in week three. So uh, he, if he's not able to go Carlos Hyde's stock immediately rises and plenty more uh, opportunities on the waiver wire this week. Absolutely. Some good names there uh, if you need them there on the waiver wire. Um, I know this might be overthinking it a little bit. Of course, we're keeping an eye out on Pittsburgh and Tennessee for this weekend uh, relating to the COVID issues that the Tennessee Titans have had. Of course, as of now, they can't go into their facility, may not be able to go until Saturday. And as of now, the game is scheduled for Sunday, could get moved to Monday or Tuesday. For fantasy owners who have guys like Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, Ben Roethlisberger, I know the Steelers are able to go into their facility, but if you had some Titans players on your roster, should you be concerned at all about them not being able to practice going into this big game against Pittsburgh? Or is that really kind of overthinking this a little bit? No, I don't think it's overthinking it at all. I think the NFL wants to do whatever they can to make sure that their, their season gets played. And if it means delaying a little bit um, or, or even sort of turning this into a defunct bye week, uh, they're going to consider it. Um, you know, it is, I, I'm, that's how I'm treating this as a fantasy player. I, I'm treating this as if these guys are on by and I need to go ahead and be active with my roster, work the waiver wire, uh, maybe consider a couple trades if I'm in a spot where I'm either, you know, 0-3 or 1-2. Or uh, you got to be aggressive, and especially with a lot of these injuries that are happening uh, with potentially more COVID situations on the way. I, I think it's advantageous as a fantasy player uh, to go ahead and just assume that these guys aren't playing so that you're prepared for the worst, but in the event that the best situation comes around, you're you're, you're already set. All right. That's good stuff. That's Ben Heisler from Sports Illustrated covering fantasy football and, and gambling for the site. Uh, ben, I always enjoy the insights from you guys, and then we'll talk to you next week. All right, Daniel. Looking forward to it. All right, Caroline, back to you. All right. Thanks to Daniel and Ben for providing a little fantasy football insight. It's always welcome, especially since I have uh, Kish, Christian McCaffrey on my team as well as Devontae Adams. So I need all the help I can get right now, guys. Uh, and I had Lamar Jackson this week. So, and I had Dak Prescott on my bench, not the best decision I've ever made in my life, but I thought it was a good one. So um, great insight from Daniel and Ben uh, quick update before we wrap things up. If you've participated in the saints 5k before, have no fear. We are still doing it this year. It's going to be a Saints virtual 5K. If you go to NewOrleansSaints.com, click on the community tab. All of the information is right there. It begins on November 2nd. So again, that's NewOrleansSaints.com backslash community for all of the information on the New Orleans Saints virtual 5K presented by Community Coffee. All right, I believe that'll wrap things up on today's New Orleans Saints podcast. We'll have another great guest for you on Friday. I have a feeling you're not going to want to miss this one. You never want to miss any of our guests, but this one especially you're going to want to tune in for. 
All right, I'm Caroline Gonzalez for Lance Moore, John DeShazer, Daniel Salerson, and Ben Heisler. Thanks for joining us on the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by CBS.